You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. How do we respond in the midst of crisis? How do we respond when we face a crisis? I was thinking about how do I respond when, when I'm in crisis? Um, I'm tempted to go into one of three directions. The first is, personality-wise, I'm a fixer. I love to fix. Any fixers out there, right? And so I immediately I'll try to start trying to fix and figure out how I can fix the problem, solve the problem. I need to make it right. And, and I, I'll go into fix-it mode. Okay, some of you relate. Uh, the other temptation I have at times uh, is, you know, I could be someone who wants to fret, right? And I begin to just get anxious and I, I get all in my head. I start playing it through and, 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 I, and I get worried. I get concerned and, and, uh, and, and you can, some, some of you are fretters, you understand? The third is, and uh, I can have this temptation at times as well, so if this is you, is just to forget it, right? I'm just going to forget about it. I'm just going to not look. Do you remember that movie that came out recently, Don't Look Up, right? Uh, and it was like this whole, the, the whole narrative was this. There was an asteroid heading towards Earth, and there was an entire campaign, Don't Look Up, right? Like, you know, just pretend it's not there, right? Uh, some of us are forgetters. I'm just going to put it out in my mind. I'm just going to keep going, nine to five, keep working my job. So we can be fixers, we can be fretters, uh, or we can be forgetters, And these are natural responses to crisis. But the question that we're asking this morning is this. What is the Christian response to crisis? What is the Christian response to crisis? How is it that the early church responded to crisis? And we see something really beautiful. They pray. They pray. and, And we'll see this play out in today's story. And so... If you are willing, if you are able, uh, please stand with me as we read God's word. The most important words you're going to hear today, far more important than anything I have to say. Uh, and uh, and we, we'll see their response to a crisis. And I'll explain what that is in a moment. We're going to start in verse 23. My header in my Bible says, the believers pray for courage. It says, as soon as they were freed... Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voice together in prayer to God, saying, O sovereign Lord, creator of the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against the Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod, Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And they preached the word of God with boldness. This is the word of the Lord. God, thank you so much this morning for this example of the early church when they faced a crisis. It is an incredible example for us. And we're thankful that, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, you, you put these words into this book for us to read thousands of years later. I pray that it would encourage us, God. I pray that it would be a guide for us, God, that when we face crisis, and let's be honest, Lord, there's been many crises lately, not just in the world, but also we, we likely have faced some in our personal lives, that, God, that we would be a people like them who rather than trying to fix it or to fret or to forget, the God that we in faith would pray. Help us to learn and, and understand this this morning, I pray, by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And so we see the believers respond to a crisis with prayer. What was the crisis? What was the crisis? In case you weren't here last week, in case you, you don't fully know the story before this, what had taken place is this. And give you a little bit of context. Peter and John are going to the temple. They see a man at the beautiful gate. This man has been unable to walk for 40 years. And day after day, including Peter and John, probably walked past this man and he would ask for money. You've experienced this likely if you've gone down to Vancouver and, uh, or various intersections, even in the Tri-Cities, where people are asking for money. And this is what this man would do. He had, there was no other thing he could do. There was no other, uh, you know, profession. And so he would sit at the beautiful gate and he would ask. And Peter and John walk up to this man and they say, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I give to you is this. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up. And walk. And for the first time in this man's long life of 40 years, he walks. He walks. The entire crowd that is in this area is just flabbergasted at this event. They head into the temple. Peter begins to preach and share a message about what has taken place that in the name of Jesus Christ, this man has walked. Jesus who rose from the grave is now rising others to their feet, and he's preaching this message. Now in the midst of this, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, those who taught the law, they begin to hear Peter preaching, and they get rather upset. They get rather upset because this is their territory. This is their place of work. This is, this is where they're called to lead and guide the people of God. And now Peter is correcting them. He's pretending that he's the expert. They take these men and they bring them and they throw them into jail. They bring them before a council where they begin to question them about in what name, in what name, did you do this? Well, it's in the name of Jesus. Well, we command you to no longer speak in the name of Jesus. What was their response? Sorry, we can't do that. <laughs> We're going to keep talking in the name of Jesus. Then they threaten them again, but they don't know what to do with these guys because everybody in, the, in the, the, all of Jerusalem, it says, was looking upon them favorably. They were amazed at what God had done. So these disciples, although they showed such a moment of courage, right, before this council, and it, sure, it took a lot of courage. They now find themselves in a crisis. They have, for the first time, experienced persecution uh, for their faith in Jesus. They have been, 
The, the threat that they faced uh, is, is from these, these leaders. And they come back and they respond in prayer. And so I believe there's some lessons for us today from the early church on how to respond when we face a crisis. It's not if we face a crisis, it's when. All of us will encounter various crises, big and small. And I believe that this text today has much to teach us about how our hearts should respond when we face these crises. There's a a number of points I want to share with you. The first is this, that the early church devoted themselves to prayer. And we're called to be a people, devote yourself to prayer. The second is this, that they remembered who God is and what he has done. They did this in their their prayer. Thirdly, we see that they ask for justice and miracles and boldness. And fourth, we see what happens is, is that they actually receive more of his presence, more of God's presence in their life. In light of this, the presence of God comes, it shakes the room, the spirit fills them, they experience more of his presence. So let me walk us through these points today. We see this, when you face a crisis, what shall you do? We are called to be a people who devote ourselves to prayer, devote ourselves to prayer. Look what happened. And we saw, see this in verse 23. Uh, it says, As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard the report, what happened? All the believers lifted their voices together in prayer. You see, prayer was integral to the life of the early church. When they were needing discernment as to who was going to replace Judas, we actually see that they turned to prayer. This is in chapter 1, verse 24. Then they all prayed, O Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen to replace Judas. We see in chapter 2 what happens. When, when describing the regular rhythms of the life of the early church, in 2 chapter, uh, verse 42, it says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the sharing in the meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Prayer was so incredibly important to what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, someone who connects with others, but also connects with God. And we see this not just in the book of Acts, but we find this in the teachings of the early church as well. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says this, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Right? Paul, an early apostle who we'll get to know later in the book of Acts, he says, he says don't worry, but instead pray. Don't fret, but instead have faith. Uh, we also see, let's put up the next scripture. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Bring your worries, bring your, your, your problems to God because he cares for you. Next scripture, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. He continues, James chapter 5, verse 13. Are you suffering hardships? You should pray. (laughs) Are you happy? You should sing praises. And singing, in a way, is also praising, right? It's praying. Uh, it's, It's praying out and thanking God for who he is. Are you suffering? He says to pray. Matthew 5, 44, it says this. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So not only are we called to pray for our own, but we actually pray against our, we pray not against, but for our persecutors, right? 
Prayer was so, so important in the community, the early church, the writers of these New Testament documents devoted, they believed that one should be devoted to a life of prayer. When you're in a crisis, how do you respond? This morning, I want to encourage us, church, would we be a people who pray? Because we, we see this in, in this early text, it said that they didn't, and they also didn't just pray alone, but they prayed together. I, want to kind of, I wanted to just make a, a, nod, a nod towards that. All the believers list, lifted their voices together in prayer. See, prayer is a solo sport, but it's also a team sport, right? Uh, and so at times, they, they would come together and they would pray together. And I think there's nothing quite like praying with one another and praying for each other. Uh, each week, our CA Church staff comes together on Wednesday morning and we receive the prayer requests from our church. Uh, so for those of you who submit prayer requests, they are anonymous, but the staff receives them and we're able to to pray for them. And there's something so powerful, so potent about those prayer times as we gather with other believers, as we contend on your behalf and on behalf of the church, as we lift up our concerns, our crises, our challenges, and our praises to God. There's something so powerful about the fact that they did this together. And this is one of the key rhythms of the Christian life, a life of prayer, connecting with God. But this text doesn't just encourage us to pray, but it helps us to know how to pray in crisis. Uh, and there's a couple of different things that, that come out of this text. First, we see, I, I love just kind of examining their prayer and seeing what they did and how they prayed. And the very first thing they do is what? They remember who God is and what he has done. They remember who God is and what he has done. Look what it says in verse 24. It says, when they heard the report, uh, it said, all the believers lifted their voice in prayer. But then here's what they pray together. Oh, sovereign Lord. So they're remembering, God, you are sovereign. You are in control. The creator of the heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago by your Holy Spirit through our ancestor David. Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and Messiah. But then it, it continues and, and he begins to explain. He says, in fact, this happened here in this very city. But big idea is this. Even though all these rulers had come against Jesus, they say, but it was according to your will. But it was according to your will. You see, they reminded themselves of who God is and what he has done. They start with this by declaring who God is. And I find this is so important actually when I pray. Just declaring and reminding myself of who God is. And they say, oh sovereign Lord. Oh sovereign Lord. They start by recalling God's sovereignty. His control. His, his, the, the fact that he rules and reigns over. He is in control of all things. They, they talk about his sovereignty. Marshall, who is a, a biblical commentator, he explains it this way. He says, the title sovereign Lord is infrequent in the New Testament. Perhaps because the word uh, suggests a despotic, arbitrary kind of lordship. Here, however, it is appropriately used to stress the powerful control exerted by God. They needed a reminder that day, not of a God who's just like, 
you know, kind of sitting up in heaven, a more deistic, more maybe more uh, similarly resembling deism, who's just removed, who doesn't care, who kind of set the earth in motion and is just kind of sitting back and watching it unfold. He's not involved with his creation. He doesn't care about the daily lives of the people. No, they needed to remind themselves of a God who is attentive, who is concerned, who is in control, who is looking over his creation, who is unfolding the events of history. This is what they needed reminding. They needed reminding of a God like that who is sovereign, who is in control, who trusts you. This is what they needed reminding of this, that day. And, and maybe sometimes when we're in crisis, we need reminding of that as well. They also recall the fact that God is creator. They, they remind themselves that God is the creator of all things. They say, oh, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth. You, you made it all, the seas and everything in them. Do you remember our series uh, last spring and, and heading into summer? We were in a series called God of All Things. And in that series, we took the normal things in our day-to-day life, things like the earth, the stars, the oceans, rainbows. Uh, we talked about dust. We talked about pigs. Uh, we, talk, we, we just talked about ordinary things. And we talked about how those things point us to God, how those things reveal God to us, how those things actually illuminate to us his power, his control, his sovereignty, his goodness, his kindness. This is, the the reason we went through that series is because we, like them, need to be reminded sometimes by creation, the tangible things that we can see in the known universe, that God is powerful, that God is in control. I'm reminded of Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17, where it says this, O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you. You see, Jeremiah did this very thing. He reminded himself of God's sovereignty. He reminded himself of the fact that God is the maker of the heavens and the earth. That he made it all by his powerful hand and strong arm. And that he he says, and nothing is too hard for you. When we imagine the entirety of the scope of creation, if we truly believe that God is the one who set the, the stars and the moon in place, if we truly believe that we have a God who controls the ocean's currents to create life. If we truly believe that we have a Lord who feeds us and takes care of us by, by, by the plants and the animals of, of this world. If we truly believe these things, if we know that he is the God who, who keeps all the planets in motion and stops this universe from expanding too rapidly or totally collapsing in on itself, If we truly believe in the God of Colossians chapter 2, which says that he holds all things together. When we remind ourselves that God is creator, when we remind ourselves that he is maker, when we remind ourselves that he is architect, suddenly the crisis that we face, we go, God, if you're controlling all of that, if you made all of that, surely, surely my challenge is they're not too big for you. Nothing's too big for you. This is what they needed reminding of that day. They need a reminding of of the God who is in control. The the God who can take care of their challenges. And then they reminded themselves of the ways in which God had worked in the past. 
And they said, for Herod Antipas and Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, the, the people of Israel, all of these human beings were united against Jesus, your holy, your holy servant. But everything they did, isn't that interesting? But everything they did, every conversation, every decision, the, to, the fact that they arrested Jesus, the, the fact that they crucified Jesus, all of these things... What did they say? It, it was according to your will. And if you can take that horrific situation, Lord, and you can work it for good, you can work it for the good of the salvation of all people. If you can take the, the darkest day of history where the God of the universe, Jesus Christ, was crucified on, uh, on a Roman cross, and you can turn that into resurrection and new life and forgiveness and grace and mercy. God, if you can do that, if you can even control the, the decisions of evil men, if you can take these horrific dis- the things that, that they chose and it was all according to your plan and work that for good, surely God, you can work in my situation. Surely God, you can come through for me. Surely God... Even though this situation seems bleak and dark and challenging and hard and maybe it feels like it's insurmountable, surely you can work it together for good for me. Somehow, God, you can use this for good because it was all according to your will and your plan. When we face a crisis, we need to remind ourselves of how God has used the troubles of the past for good. Remind ourselves of his sovereignty and his control. I think a powerful way for us to do that to remind ourselves, it's, some people keep like a prayer journal. So any of you out there, and they write down their prayers, and then when God answers their prayer, they come back into the journal and they write what the answer was. Because we as people, sometimes we just have like short, we just have such a, a bad memory for the things of God and the way that, in which he's worked. And especially when we're in the pit, when we're in the challenges, when things are going hard, it's so hard to recall. And you can pull out a prayer journal, you can pull out that book and see how God has actually worked on your behalf. Our kids are doing this in kids' church. Uh, every week they, they spend a little bit of a time, a prayer time together. And then they write down the kids' prayer requests in a prayer journal. And when the kids get answers, they write down how God answered those requests. And it's a powerful exercise for us to remind ourselves of what God done, what God has done and how he has come through for us. And you know what? The older that I get, and I realize I'm not that old, okay? But the older that I get, but hey, listen, I, I do feel old when I look around the room and I see like people in this room who are now serving on this team who I've known since they were like 10 in youth group. So I, and I think, <laughs> but you know, the older I get, and perhaps those who are more my senior in this room can attest to this, you can, you can begin to look back and see how God was at work in the dark and challenging times. When you're a young person and you face your first crisis and your first difficulty and, and you know, maybe you don't have your parents to, to help you get through it, whatever it might be, it feels so big, so insurmountable. But as you get older, you can begin to go, you know what, I faced that challenge before and I got through it. God got me through it. I, I went through that season before and man, was it dark, but there was light. Hey, it felt like I, I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. I didn't know where I was going to find work. I didn't know what it was. But I, I can remember how God provided for me. Retrospect is 2020, right? Uh, but it's hard in the midst of trials to see how God is working. So they recalled who God was and what he has done. And so after reminding themselves of this, 
what do they do? They begin to bring petitions before God. What's the petitions they bring? They ask for his justice, his miraculous power, and for his boldness. They say this, now, O Lord, hear their threats. Hear their threats, they say. This expression is appealing to God's justice, asking him to look upon their threats, to look upon the situation and to work. They say, God, would you hear their threats? Would you hear their threats and would you look upon what they have said and done against us, your people? And would you act however you would will? So they're not demanding that God would act in a certain way, but they're saying, God, we're, we, we trust that you are just. And as you hear their threats and you look upon this situation, we're trusting that you will act justly. It reminds me of uh, the, the parable in Luke chapter 18 of the persistent widow. Do you remember this story? Jesus tells a story. He says there was this, this widow and day after day, lesson with them. Don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? He says, if God gave justice to this widow with a corrupt judge, surely, surely he will give justice to his people who cry out to him day and night. They ask for justice. And we should ask God for justice. God, would you look at their threats, how they mock you, your name. Look how they misrepresent you. Look how they mistreat us. God... (laughs) Would you bring your attention to this situation and bring justice, Lord? They also ask God to move. They say, God, stretch out your hand with healing power. And may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We too can ask for things in the name of Jesus. We talked about this the last couple of weeks. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name and it's my will, I will do it for you, is what he said. And we too can ask God to move in miraculous ways in our life. But here's the thing that most interests me this morning that I want to share with us. And I believe that this was the Holy Spirit who brought it to my attention. He said, they ask for boldness. They ask for boldness. Their prayer turns to petition and they ask for boldness. And I find this interesting. They don't ask for a change of circumstances. Do you notice that? Like they ask God to act justly and to continue to to move in miraculous ways, but they don't say, God, would you crush our enemies? Would you destroy them and smite them and take them out? They instead ask for a change of heart. They, They instead ask for a change of disposition. They say, God, we're feeling fearful. God, we're feeling concerned. God, we're afraid. But we're asking instead that you would give us boldness. That you would give us boldness. We're not asking you to change our circumstances in the midst of a crisis. But we're asking that you would change our hearts and our disposition. That God, that you would give us boldness. Here is the Greek word. This word for for boldness is is this word uh, uh, (laughs) parousia. Parousia. And it means boldness. But it also means confidence. Courage. This means the ability to freely speak without reserve, without holding back. They're asking, God, would you just give us such confidence, such boldness, such courage that we would continue to live for you, that we would continue to speak for you, that we would continue to act with you. Right now, we're feeling scared. We're feeling reserved. God, would you give us boldness to continue to spread your word? They ask for a change of disposition. I sometimes ask for this very thing. 
before I take the stage here. I come off as confident and and all those kind of things, but there's many times I'm reading the text and I thought, oh Lord, it is 2022 (laughs) and these people are not going to like this. God, would you give me boldness to help me to freely speak without hesitancy to share your word as it is, to not hold back And maybe you've prayed that very prayer before. God, oh man, I need your boldness. I need your courage. I need your strength. And I think this is a key for us. A key for us that we would ask not always for a change of circumstances, but a change of ability to face our reality without fear. In the middle of a crisis, you can ask God for this. Say, God, give me courage. God, give me strength. God, give me boldness. And look what happens here. And this is our concluding thought. Look what happened here. In verse 31, after this prayer, the meeting place began to shake. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened? Their prayers were answered. They then preached the word of God with boldness. God answers their prayer in verse 31. You can see it here. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. God granted them their request. But secondly, he gave them something else. More of his presence. More of his presence. Friends, if we are to be a people who devote ourselves to prayer, we remind ourselves of who God is and what he has done. And we ask him for justice and miracles and all these things. You know what the result of prayer is? Uh, uh, Nine times out of ten, ten times out of ten. It's more of his presence. It's more of his presence. Something we know to be true of Jesus is this, that he's always with us. He never leaves us. We as his followers are promised that we've been given the Holy Spirit. So I'm not suggesting that God's spirit leaves us or departs from us. And through prayer, we can usher him back, right? Oh, Holy Spirit, come back to me, right? And we can kind of usher him (laughs) to come back into our lives. That might have been an Old Testament reality, but it's not a New Covenant reality. In the New Covenant, we've been given the Holy Spirit as a a seal of our inheritance, is what Ephesians chapter 1 tells us. So we have the Holy Spirit. So what is taking place here? Well, the scriptures say that being filled with the Spirit is an event. Upon coming to faith in Jesus, you receive the Spirit. But it's also, it's an ongoing process. And in this moment, they receive more of God's presence. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's right there. I can't avoid it. It's in the text. They prayed and they were filled. So when you pray, if you want more of God's presence in your life, more of his Holy Spirit, pray. Pray. I love this by the author, by the poet, Robert Louis Stevenson. Here's what he says. A generous prayer is never presented in vain. The petition may be refused, but the petitioner is always, I believe, rewarded by some gracious visitation. He's a, he's a Scottish man. I almost wanted to read that in a Scottish accent, right? <laughs> always rewarded by some gracious visitation, right? <laughs> I've experienced this to be true, folks. I've experienced this to be true in a crisis at many times, although I've been refused in regarding to changes I want God to make, 
Although he says no or later sometimes. No, Cam, I'm not going to change your circumstances. No, I'm not going to operate in the way that you expect me to in this moment. I will tell you right now, as I cry, I can think of these moments. I cry out to God. I come before him. I often and almost always am, I just, there's, there's a sense of his presence. There's a sense that he is with me. There is some gracious visitation from God. A sense of peace. Sometimes it might be just a word that's spoken over my heart. Something of encouragement. God does this for them and he does it for us. Now, some of you go, but why doesn't God shake the place for me sometimes, you know? I would love for a, just, like, I'll take, you know, just like a little, a small earthquake, okay? I just want to see the, the picture frame just slightly shift, okay? And if you're in Port Moody with the trains going by, sometimes it feels like it. One time I thought God literally was shaking my apartment. It was a CP rail out my window. But anyways, <laughs> say, God, why don't you shake the place more often? It would just like, it would so help me to know you were there if you would just shake the place. But, you know, I'm reminded of the prophet as he was, you know, sitting and he was in a place of depression and a place of anxiety, a place of fear. It says that God spoke to him not in an earthquake, not in fire, not in wind, but in a still small voice. In a still small voice. And and God can speak through the shaking of a building. All who God is and what he has done. You can ask for justice and miracles, but also boldness. God, would you change? Give me a change of heart. Give me the ability to face this challenge. And finally, here's what I do believe is that you will encounter more of his presence, more of the Holy Spirit in your life. I want to pray for us, and then we will move into a time of communion. And I'll explain that following our prayer. God, thank you for today. God, thank you for (laughs) these old family history books that we get to read through. And we see how our spiritual ancestors responded to moments of crisis. Some of us in this room right now are walking through a crisis. We are right in the middle of a crisis. Financial crisis, relational crisis, could be a faith crisis. And this early church gives us insight as to how we are to respond. Forgive us for these moments that we fret and we try to just fix and we, uh, or even just forget. For these moments that we don't turn to you, God. I pray that you would help us by your Holy Spirit to remember when we are in a crisis, we are called to be a people who pray. And I pray that God, as we pray, you would put the words on our lips and on our hearts. That you would help us to believe them. That God, that you would remind us of who you are and what you've done that you would work in miraculous ways in our life, that, God, you would give us a change of heart and disposition that we would be able to face. And I sincerely do pray, God, that as we pray, you would give us more of your presence, a gracious visitation to help us to get through the day, to help us to face the challenges that we face. Holy Spirit, For anyone who's in a crisis in this room right now, you're welcome here. Come into their hearts. Cast away their fears. Give them peace. 
Help them to have the courage to go on and to continue. We desperately need more of your presence, Lord. We desperately need a gracious visitation from you in the midst of hard times. Spirit of God, would you fall in this place and in our hearts today, I pray this wouldn't just be words of a story of how you once acted, but it'd be insight into how you want to move today. Fall in this place, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash rail city to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.